Activist Aaron Dorr tells his flock of pro-gun followers on Facebook that he's tirelessly fighting for their Second Amendment rights. But if that's true, why do so many pro-gun Republicans hate him so much? Aaron Dorr is a scam artist, a liar, and he is doing Iowans no services and no favors. Find out on the No Compromise podcast from NPR. From NPR Music, it's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. In 1970, I heard a record that I think redefined the singer-songwriter. The album was Tea for the Tillerman by Cat Stevens. Singer-songwriter albums were often acoustic folk records, often overtly political. And Tea for the Tillerman was neither of those things, at least to me. It was deeply personal, it was more philosophical, even when it did tackle issues of ecology, as in this song, Where Do the Children Play? Well, I think it's fine Building jumbo planes Taking a ride On a cosmic train Switch on summer From a slot machine Just get what you want to if you want Is you can get anything I know we've come a long way We're changing day to day But tell me, where do the children play? Now, 50 years later, the artist now known as Yusuf Cat Stevens has remade the entire record. And in some cases, he alters arrangements. Sometimes he changed the words to reflect his current life. Still, he always maintains that intimate, personal tone. Well, you crack the sky, scrapers fill the air. But will you keep on building higher? Till there's no more rum up there Will you make us laugh? Will you make us cry? Just will you tell us when to live? Will you tell us when to die? I, I know we've come a long way We're changing day to day Today, I have a conversation with Yusuf Cat Stevens on the making of Tea for the Tillerman 2. I was a teenager when that record came out. I bought a guitar, I tried to learn the tunes, and as well as I know these songs, there were two things I never knew about this record till now. First, the sound of this album and the guitar production had a clarity I'd never experienced before. And that added to the intimacy. We'll talk about that in the conversation. And I was also struck by the deep way this then 22-year-old thought about life. And I discovered something I hadn't known till now. At age 21, Cat Stevens almost lost his life to tuberculosis and spent the better part of a year recovering. And in that time, his view on life changed and what he wrote about in his songs changed as well. You know, at that point in time, you're at the, you're at the doorstep of death. Well, that's what you think, you know, well, that's enough, you know, that's enough for you to really get thinking. And um, I was given this, this book by a friend of mine, co-pop star, in fact, his name was Paul Ryan. And he gave me a Buddhist book 
learning about the self, trying to, you know, detach oneself from your environment, your, your material location, and dive deep into the metaphysical world, you know, understanding who you are. I mean, those are the questions which the Greeks were asking you know, thousands of years ago. You know, who am I? And that, of course, is the place and the base from which I launched you know, my new life. I then came back out of, out of that illness. And, of course, it was like, it was, you know, there's a sort of word for a person when he's just come out of illness. He's kind of, he's blushing. You know, he's healthy again. He's got his life. And it was that moment where I, I really blossomed, musically, for sure, uh, but also intellectually. I was beginning to explore the regions um, which, which people don't see, you know, because it's all to do with the unseen. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm trying to um, also, I suppose, learn some discipline uh, within my life. All those things were starting to express themselves in my music. You know, so you got, when I came back with Mona Bone Jackham, Monobone Jackin was like, I think, the, the kernel of the seed, which then fed into the rest of my catalogue, which came and which followed. And for those who don't know, that, that record was the top of 1970 with uh, Teeth of the Tillman coming later that same year. That's right. So it was the precursor to, you know, Teeth of the Tillman. And a lot of people love that album because it's the roots. And of course, I had the great skills of a wonderful producer who was Paul Samuel Smith. And at that time, he was going through this very, had a very intimate concept of, of production where he wants just the soul of the person, the song itself, to breathe, leaving all this space, you know, for you. So he'd be listening to, for instance, Van Morrison. So Astral Weeks was very important in a way to my, uh, you know, genesis. One of the my memories of the time listening to T for the Tillerman at first was that deep sense of philosophy that was in the song Road to Find Out. I loved what you've done to it 50 years later. I'm going to just play a little mix of the two of them and come back and talk about that. Something uh, so uh, the the music you've been making recently is so steeped in uh, in the blues and desert blues and your work with Tenarlwyn. I love how this song has grown in fifty years. 
Yeah, I mean, there's quite a difference, isn't there? You can hear the kind of the early 70s, the kind of acoustics, tingle, you know, and then you've got this weary guy who's been dragging along his life, you know, all the way up to coming back in a way to his origin of his love of the blues. And, and that was way before I, I, I got really au fait on, you know, kind of professional with, with the acoustic thing. I was so in love with the blues. And so that's what you're listening to there. But of course, the, the message of, of that song was, wow, it's kind of predicted more or less my kind of projection uh, of life as, as, as it went and as it happened. I found my head one day when I wasn't even trying ooh, ooh, ooh. Here I have to say Cause there is no use in lying You know, you got me leaving home and then you got me sort of listening to the wind, you know, and uh, and telling me I've got to hurry and the other people saying, no, don't worry, you know, and, and then towards the end, I, I kind of concluded with something I think is very profound and I said, you know, you've got to pick up a good book. And at that time, I, I didn't know what was ahead of me, you know, in front, you know, in my future. And I was very careful to, to choose the word, you know, a good book, not the good book, so that people wouldn't, you know, tie me down to whatever religion they wanted me to. And then came along in my life, you know, about 20, however many years it was later, the Quran, you know, and that just, wow. I never even thought about this book before. I'd, I'd studied the Tao, you know, the I Ching, the Vedas, you know, all that, the Bible, obviously. Yeah, so it was, it was like it predicted what was going to happen to me. Very weird. How do you think about things like that? Is there a fate that you believe deeply in? Is it, does just something dropping on your doorstep just lead you down a path and that's just coincidence? How do you, how do you take that kind of thing? That is the most complex question that anybody could ever ask. <laughs> I'm looking at my watch. I'm not going, no, no, because, you know, there's that, because fate and choice, you know, we, we, we are in, I believe very firmly that you make your choices in life. You do. And that is why we have a kind of the weight of responsibility. You know, when we do something wrong, we go, oh, gosh. You carry that around with you. You kind of got this conscience. Um, you know, so the, the and, and then when you do something good, you think, wow, that feels good and, and everything's great. And I made the right decision, you know, I made the right choice. But when it comes to unpacking your destiny, it is really, I, I wrote another lyric somewhere, I think, it's in that song, I think, you're locked towards the future, you know, well, you're locked towards the future. It means you can't go back. There's only one way to go forward. Now, uh. which, which, which road is it going to be? And if you choose, and I wrote in another lyric somewhere, that the road you choose is the one you chose. Right. So in other words, there is only one <laughs> you know, destiny for you. But, but you've got you've to do it, and you've got to make that action. You've got to make that choice. I want to play something else. And uh, you did something fascinating with father and son, which I thought was... Uh, <laughs> I'll choke up all over again every time I think about the song. I remember the last time, Bob. I remember the last time. 
for, for those who don't know this, uh, you came to play a tiny desk. You came with your son and you sang that song. And here I was now a father thinking about, here it goes, I'm going to do it again. Uh, here I was a, a, a father thinking about the beauty and joys of being a father and how I was in 1970, not even a thought in my mind about that. Anyway, it was beautiful. And you've done something beautiful in this remake, and I'm going to play it, but tell people what it is they're about to hear. Yeah, well, they're going to hear um, me sort of today, you know, 50 years on, singing the same song, and which hasn't really aged at all, even though you may look at me and you say, well, yeah, a guy's got great beard, you know, he's got a few wrinkles. But, um, but essentially, the song lives in these two kind of universes. There's the son and there's the father. And right now you're going to hear me singing the whole song, except for the son's part, because the son is going to be me, which we've lifted off a recording from the Troubadour in, back in 1970. So you got me like 50 years ago singing with me today. Wow. Your son was somewhat instrumental in making this all come to happen in a way, making doing this remake, yeah? Yeah, my son, Yorios, uh, it was his idea. I mean, uh, I can't claim it was my idea. It was his. And he, um, you know, because we're coming up to the 50th and we thought we've got to do something, you know, to commemorate this. And uh, yeah, I, and the idea of re-recording the whole of the Tillerman album again was his idea, you know, so there we are. Um, you know, he's pretty impressive. 
My conversation with Yusuf Cat Stevens continues in a minute. Uh, we're talking about the remaking of Tea for the Tillerman 50 years later. And you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. I'm Bob Boylan. I'm talking to Yusuf Cat Stevens about the remake of Tea for the Tillerman, an album that was originally made in 1970 that he's just recorded again. I hadn't planned on doing this, but I'm going to play... Uh, about 15 seconds of one version of hard-headed woman thinking about family and then the new version a little bit of the words when i heard this it made me smile so much yeah i'll just play it and you people will know why here you go Headed woman, one who'll take me for myself, and if I find my hard headed woman, I won't need nobody else. No, no, no. And then we'll jump ahead to <laughs> their current century. Find myself a hard-headed woman One who will take me for myself And now I've found that hard-headed woman I will need nobody else No, no, no I got myself a hard-headed woman <laughs> It's so beautiful. Could you have imagined? No, no. It was, I mean, obviously now my wife is very happy. She's at last got a song on Tea for the Tiller Man. You know? <laughs> wow, how could you do that? How can you do that? Oh, God. It's, um, so it's, it's wonderful because, again, it brings it back to the re- reality, you know, makes... Because my songs were always coming from a real place. So now I can, you know, genuinely sing that song with... But with absolute honesty now, today. I was trying to think of what the studio setup was like. You've worked yet again, with, like you said, with Paul Samuel Smith. Uh, describe studio making Teeth of the Tillerman a little bit in 1970, and then now. Back then, you know, I mean, it was still, still quite hazy. You know, my future wasn't known. I was just falling into whatever, you know, came next. I was writing and prolifically writing, of course, and I'd, I'd collected about 30 songs. And about that time when I met Paul Samuel Smith and he heard most of them were finished, you know, but still some of them needed another verse or whatever. And, um, and you know, when I met Paul, he was in this great space and he really he, he got into me. You know, he understood who I was and what I was trying to achieve. And he he managed to capture that in the studio very, very simply the best mics, you know, and at that time Dolby's had just come out. You know about Dolby's, the history of Dolby's. Because before Dolby's, you got this, when you played uh, like an acoustic guitar, you got something very soft, a very soft signal. You get this shh, hiss coming, right? So you wanted to get rid of that hiss. Dolby's got rid of all that hiss. So the acousticness became so much more intimate. And he was a lover of that, that kind of sound and that kind of, you know, genre. 
bringing him back into the picture, of course, we're, you know, we, we're very close because we've got this amazing history together. Not only that, I used to, I used to watch him play with the Yardbirds, you know, in, in, the, in the old days when he was playing with Jimmy Page, you know, and, and Eric Clapton as one of the Yardbirds. He was the bass player. So, um, wow, I used to be watching him, you know, and dancing along. So uh, we brought him back for this album because we got to know each other again, sort of, within the last, let's say, four years. And uh, it was just kind of logical, you know, that he knew exactly the thing I was going for. Perhaps in those days, I wasn't quite as aware of what I wanted. But of course, now he, he more or less sat back in his armchair and watched me do it. <laughs> <laughs> but he would always say, no, 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 try. You know, he'd give me some kind of pointer, uh, which would get me um, going in the right direction. You know. It's great to have a good teacher. It's good to be a good listener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me play a little bit of Longer Bows. I'll play a little bit of the original version and go into the new one. You can tell me who's on it and how that came to be. segue into the 2020 version. Raise your mind up and look around You may see them Yes, they're looking down On a lonely asteroid In a vacant void Dying But not destroyed Mind you that now is the time to act upon what's best inside us all. Our destiny is one. Let our hearts beat as one. Long ago, long ago, the coming to win us. Long ago, they're coming to win us. Cool. Who's the guest vocalist and had that come to be? Okay, the guest vocal. Yeah, we had this bit which which I used to do. I did it on the demo. You know, I did it as we were working it, but it just didn't feel right for me to do that kind of rap. So we got this guy called um, Brother Ali. He's a great guy. He's got a great following, and uh, you know, he fell right into this perfectly and gave the you know the right message at that moment. As you can hear, the rest of the, the rest, you know, the second half of this is totally James Brown. You know, it's going back again <laughs> to my love of my roots, you know, the R&B. Yeah. And uh, we just had fun with that because there were certain things about the old version, uh, particularly certain words in, in the early verses, which I didn't really go along with anymore. So I wanted to keep it real. And uh, we brought back this verse, in fact, about the aliens. Um, looking down at the earth and watching what we're doing, what a mess we're making. And um, that verse was there 
originally, and I just never recorded it on the original T for the Tillamance. So I brought it back for this one. The artwork, <laughs> which I always love. I never knew what a Tillerman was. And for those who don't know what a Tillerman was, would you please uh, explain that? And then tell me, you were a painter, or you did beautiful watercolor. Well, Tillerman, you know, when, when I was looking for ideas, you know, song ideas, I'd, I'd go into the dictionary sometimes. So I'd find T for... Oh, look, Tillerman. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And and suddenly, you know, I'd, it would spark something in me. And I, I wrote this whole scenario with the Tillerman, you know, and the kids playing and, and, you know, the woman on the hill and sort of calling out for the rain to come. And so Tillerman means, now there's two meanings. There's one is the Tillerman man who tills the earth, right? That's, that's what I understood. But then a lot of people may have thought that it was the guy who kind of punts the pole on, on the boat, you know, the guy who pushes this pole and he pushes you along the river. But I always went for the Tillerman. And I think it was good because ultimately the Tillerman is connected to the earth. And the, probably the first profession in this world was the farmer. You're going back to the beginning. Now I've changed the, you can look at the painting on this one. It's different from the other one because the other one is daytime. It's got the sun, you know, it's kind of a, quite a hot sort of hazy day. And now you come into the coolness of the night. We've got this white, pristine moon, and the kids are now like playing, but they're not playing together anymore. There's hardly any contact. There's one, one of them's got his earphones on, he's streaming, the other guy's looking at, he's gaming on his phone. And now the Tiller man is in a spacesuit, which you may laugh at that, but you know, we may all be walking around in spacesuits very soon. The way the world, <laughs> these things, things are hitting us, uh, you know, the environment is getting just worse and worse. So it's a kind of a darker version of the original cover, but you can still get lost in it. And I'm, I'm sure people will love the, the artwork too. And the videos you've done, let's get people to watch those. Uh, describe one for me. And We've been working with um, Chris Hopewell, and he's a wonderful stop motion, you know, uh, director. And he, wow, he's done something just so amazing. He's brought this beautiful, his heart in, into this art uh, of making my songs, you know, come to life. Uh, with this stop motion, with the first one, like, where do the children play? In the film, you'll see all this rubbish kind of uh, almost sinking these two little children um, in this world, and they, they can't find a way out. And But all this rubbish that he found to use in the film was taken from the beach, right from the beach, somewhere in Wales. And he's got another film to go along with it to show you where he picked up all that rubbish. And then we've got another great film he's done, which is Father and Son, another amazing you know, piece of art where you've got the father living on the ground floor, you know, in this small terrace house and the son upstairs, you know, he's got his drum set and everything. They're two totally different worlds, but he's, he's given it a lovely ending, I think. That was all his idea. You've got to watch the film to get the ending. I'll put those uh, those films up on online on the All Songs Considered site. Um, what a pleasure to talk to you today. You and, too, Bob. Uh, it's great to connect with you, and let's hope we can meet again next time. You know, I like that. I look forward to the world where people come in, be it my office or I get to go to their venue and stand with friends and, and hear your voice again. Thank you. Well, we love you because you love music. Thank you, my friend. Yusuf Cat Stevens, the new version of T for the Tillerman, it's called T for the Tillerman 2, is out now. We'll put those animated videos he just spoke about online. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered.
I don't want to work away Doing just what the other people say Cause I'm a tight tonight 